0: Oh, Lord, you're so good. You're our living hope. Just those words alone to, that we would understand that there is a hope that is alive. That by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are indwelled with the Spirit on the inside of us that actually becomes that, that overwhelmingness of hope that releases a power that goes beyond our own understanding. I'm going to, I just want to share this. Huh. Listen to these words. It says, may the God of hope, may he fill you with all joy and with peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the, and here's the thing, we overflow with hope, but catch this last part. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to understand and know this power, this all-surpassing power. Just, It says this. I'm just going to take you through a few things and then we're going to move on. But I just feel like there's something important that we need to grasp right now. Pastor Zach, he's going to be sharing a little bit about the power. But that we would understand this power that we actually have and that we can walk in. There is a power that goes beyond our understanding. And I believe the church has been dead in this power. And, and it's about to be awakened. It's about to be awakened in the church. It's this power. It's, it's in Ephesians. It talks about it. It's where, that, where, where Paul says, it's give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know him better. It goes on to say, though, it's this. It says uh, that he's called us. It's the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power. For us who believe, the question is: this do we believe in Jesus that there is actually a power that when He's at the right hand of the Father, He says, "There's a reason why I'm sending the Holy Spirit." I, I was just I was reading something the other day. I was just talking about it this morning, and and uh, the the disciples, and this just this caught me as I was reading this, and I. And I to understand this the disciples were with jesus for 3 years they were walking with jesus jesus dies on the cross he comes back for 40 days he is kind of in and out but he is with them and he is teaching them things and this is the resurrection the resurrected christ do you think well if i if i was with the resurrected christ for 40 days you would, you would have power, right? You would walk in that power. If I was with him for three years, I would walk in that power. Jesus said, no, just because you've been with me, just because you've walked with me, even in these last 40 days, you're not prepared. But he says, wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you will move with power. When we allow the Holy Spirit to actually, who is on the inside of us, but there is a baptism, there is a power when the Holy Spirit literally is poured out and it requires that wineskin in our hearts that says yes to the Holy Spirit to allow him to move. There's giftings, there's things in our lives that, that he desires to, to move through us, in and through us, but it requires us saying yes to him. But there is a greater power that we're to walk in than what we have today. If we think that this is all the church is, then we've missed it. And I believe the Lord is waking up his church. This shaking is about awakening. There is an awakening happening. Lord, I pray right now that that we would begin to see with our spiritual eyes, Lord, what you are calling us to. And just like like the disciples where, where Jesus said, no, 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 I don't want you to go yet. You're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and you will operate in power, but you won't do it until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But may we understand this authority and this power that we can begin to walk in when we walk with the Holy Spirit, when we walk in step with the Holy Spirit. There's another scripture I'm just gonna read. This is in, this is Romans 15. Just catch these words here. It says, I, this is Paul, a minister to the Gentiles. And he says, I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourself are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. He's talking to the believers. He says, I have written you quite boldly on, on some points, as if to remind you of them again because of the grace that God has given me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offspring acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Now catch the second part here. It says, therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. This is Christ accomplishing what he desires through us. And then he says these words. It says, in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles, through the power of the Spirit. Lord, we have seen the church and operate it as a church through our own eyes and in a wineskin that is actually void of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a wineskin that is old and it is brittle and it, it it is not that flexible, pliable wineskin that you require that you can actually pour your spirit into. But I pray for the oil of the spirit to begin to be poured out, that you would recondition, that you would make new what's been old, that you would, those brittle areas in our lives, the the things that we have set where we'd said, God, you're going to operate here and you're going to operate in my box, where we say destroy those boxes, create the new wineskins in us that we can operate actually with the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be a church that is no longer known as a church for good teachings, for, for great worship, for big buildings, for, for lights and for shows and for how we can put things out on Facebook and, and promote things so well, but we would be a church known for the power of the Holy Spirit by the signs and the miracles that cannot be done by man, but is done through man by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, open those eyes, open our, the eyes of our heart and give us that understanding that we can see you and operate in that power. Lord, I thank you that you're doing this, that you're, you're awakening your church and you're, you're actually drawing them into the new things. Lord, I pray that today, even as Pastor Zach speaks, Lord, I pray that you would encounter us that you would shake our mindsets, that you would shake this limited belief system that your church is operated in and that we would no longer operate in these, in these ways, in these mindsets, with these understandings, but that we would say it's actually in our weakness that we have the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. It's the weaker that we get, the stronger that he gets. It's the more humble that we get. It's, it's when we go down on, the, on our knees and say, God, I can't do this. But you can by your power. It's the, it's the jars of clay that have the all-surpassing power of God. So, Lord, may we operate in that power. Show us how to become your church. Awaken our hearts. Awaken the dead church that doesn't understand and does not know the power. And if we think we know the power, if you think you're if you're satisfied with the power of the Holy Spirit right now, I got to say wake up. We have to wake up. There is so much more. Let's seek him with all our heart. When we seek him, we'll find him. I believe these days of fasting that we're going to be going into, he's going to reveal himself in new ways. He's going to reveal the wineskin that he actually desires for his church to operate in. I just saw this. I'll just share this quickly. I'll share probably more next week. But the wineskin, the old wineskin was a great wineskin at one time because it actually had the power of the Holy Spirit in it. But over time, we, we, what we did is we began to say, well, this is how you operate, God. I, I saw how you operated here, so this is how you'll operate again. And so we, we hardened the wineskin a little bit. And we said, okay, so I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be flexible in that area any longer. I'm going to lock that in because I've seen you operate. I know how you do it. So it works right here in this box like this. And so we begin to harden that area of the wineskin. And then we harden this area over here. And then we kind of shut this side over here. And before we know it, we have such a rigid wineskin that the Holy Spirit can't actually move. He's living breathing and moving and there's a flexibility that has to that has to. we have to have the wineskin and that's that Holy Spirit actually interwoven into the wineskin that actually allows the wineskin to flex and to move because it's living and breathing for the Holy Spirit to be poured into that we can now actually house everything that he has and move in the power that he's called us to he desires a church that operates in power Lord, may you open our eyes, open our hearts. Lord, begin to take your oil and massage it into our mindsets and our hearts that we would become pliable once again, that we would become flexible once again. That we wouldn't say we have it all figured out. There is so much more, and we desire it. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, those are the ones that will be filled. Lord, fill us today in Jesus' name. Amen. That was just a little side note, just to get us stirred up for what Zach's going to be leading us into today. I'm so excited. Um, we're going to do a declaration here uh, as we as we receive the tithes and the offerings and. Uh, what a fun time. Man, there's so much that the Lord is using us for in this time and in this season. I know everyone's like, well, when are we going to get back to gathering? When are we going to get back to meeting? It's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. But don't look to those times. Look to today and uh, and see what the Lord is doing right now and what he's setting up and what he's establishing and how he's shifting things right now. So let's let uh give to the Lord right now through tithes and offerings and uh, let's declare this together. So we'll put it up on the screen we'll declare it. Lord and Father in heaven and I say this don't just listen. (laughs) You're not you're not saying it. I can hear it. You guys are being quiet. You got to say this with me. So repeat it. There's a there's something so powerful about the spoken word. Uh, Our words are powerful. So we're going to declare the word of the Lord, which is living, breathing, active. When we declare this word, it moves in power. So let's do it together. So say it out loud. I'm listening. (laughs) Lord and Father in heaven, we come bringing our tithes and offerings to you. Align our hearts with yours and our value system with yours. Increase our generosity and expand the capacity of our hearts as we trust completely in you. May we sow extravagantly and give generously that we may reap a harvest of souls. May your kingdom come. Open heaven and invade earth. Throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing we cannot contain. May the nations call us blessed as we co labor with heaven. Thanks be to our Father for your indescribable gift. Now may our gifts be a fragrant offering, pleasing to you. We take hold of your promise to fully satisfy our every need according to your glorious riches revealed in Christ Jesus. May you receive all. All the glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Well, I want to bring up Pastor Zach. Uh, This is kind of a, uh, call it a a bittersweet moment here. Um, As as we, uh, and actually if I can get my wife, Christy, to come up. And Nicole, if you'd come up as well. And we before Zach begins to, to speak here, we just we want to bless Pastor Nicole. <laughs> pastor Zach and Nicole. We switched. <laughs> she didn't know she was a pastor already. Right. So here, um, I know we have to kind of get into the screen here. Um and Marcus, I don't know if you're gonna just just play or come over or you can come over and just pray. Um and, uh, and I know we, we have all our pastors and our staff. We just want to, like, come around them and pray with them and bless them. Um, but uh, let's, if you would, just reach your hands out to them. And I just want to say, uh, if you didn't know, uh, Pastor Zach and Nicole, uh, the Lord has just been leading them in this season. Uh, they're going to be actually helping start a church in, in downtown Denver. Uh, it's a startup church. And, and the Lord has, he's had... I, Zach and I talked about this a few years back uh, where this has been something on his heart. He's, he's an evangelist at heart. <laughs> this man has an evangelistic heart. And, uh, and so I'm so excited that together they're going to go and they're going to get to move into, they're, they're already kind of moved up to that area, but they're going to be in the inner city and, uh, and launching this this church And uh, we get to just come alongside them. We get to be with them. So it's not that he's still part of the body. Sometimes we get so caught up with, well, they're leaving one church, they're going to another church. We are one body in Christ. And we, it, it is not... It's not, well, they're gone. No, it's, it's actually we get to send them and be a part. It's, you know, it's when Paul gets sent, Paul and, and Barnabas, when they go and they're sent out. Like, there are times when the body gets sent out to different places. And so I believe that this is a sending, uh, and, uh, but we get to be a part of it. Uh, we, get to sh- we get to share in the joys and the sorrows and everything that, that comes with it. Uh, at least the joys. The sorrows are all them, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> That's terrible, Christy said. No, we, w- we will be there for both. <laughs> uh, so let's pray, and uh, did you have a, a verse? Do you want to? Okay, we're gonna, let's do that first.
1: Yeah, this is what I felt like the Lord was saying over you, too. It's Isaiah 41, and um, I'm going to start halfway through verse 9. It said, I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you both. And have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. If you go down to 13, it says this. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear. I will help you. So that's what I feel for you. That's what I feel like the Lord's saying over you. I don't know if it comes at a point where there, I'm sure there's questions and concerns that we all have that. We're all human. You guys are human too, <laughs> but I just feel like the Lord's making that promise over you publicly right now. Did you want to pray? You want me to start praying? So Lord, we thank you for Zach and I thank you for Nicole and I just thank you for, um, how they've walked out their obedient life, walking with you, hearing your voice, um, making course corrections along the way, just like we all do, um, being humble and coming alongside others, um, letting other people rise up under them, and and teaching people how to lead, students how to lead, um, and just using their voices, both of them just individual voices and then a voice that they have together. Lord, we bless them right now as they step into this new season. I thank you that they're continuing the path that you've set them on and they're... Um, yeah, I just, uh, you guys know it. You're taking that adventure with the Lord that He's called you to and you put it in your heart a long time ago. In Jesus' name.
2: And just as uh, Mike referenced Acts 13, Lord, we thank you for speaking to this couple. We thank you for your leadership in their life. And just as those men agreed with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, Paul and Barnabas must be sent out. And they fasted and they prayed and they add their agreement to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Lord, we add our agreement to what the Holy Spirit is saying. We say, would you fill this couple with grace in this next season? Lord, would you give them wisdom from heaven? Would you open the eyes of their heart like never before God? I ask you to fill their apartment, fill their lives with your presence. We ask you for that power that we just uh, meditated on, that that same power would flow through them. The power of the resurrection, the power of the ascension, the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we add our agreement, we just pray for that Acts 13 verse 4, and they were sent out by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are so excited to see what you were going to do in downtown Denver because of this precious couple that is giving themselves to you. And, Lord, we say, let many be saved. Let many come to know you. Lord, in the challenges ahead, I pray for strength in the name of Jesus, strength to endure, strength to run the race you have set before them. And we ask you for that that power to run, not just to walk, not just to trudge on, that power to run. In the name of Jesus and Lord I just thank you for this
0: amazing couple that we have get to see we we had the opportunity and we're so honored just to uh, to walk with them over these past six seven eight years and uh, and just to see pastor Zach come from just a, a, a young youth who 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 just caught the heart of God and and began to just press in and Lord I thank you uh, we as he became a pastor in, in I think it was early 2015 or late 2014, and then uh, just to see his heart and his hunger for the Lord. Lord, I thank you that this is a man uh, that has such a hunger for you. And I just say, Lord, would you continue to anoint him for the things of the Lord, that, that in this time and in this season, Lord, that you would strengthen him uh, through the difficult times, and Lord, that you would just give him the joy of the Lord in and, and every moment that he would just celebrate your goodness and see your goodness. I just pray for that anointing over his life, and I thank you for Nicole, Lord. I thank you that she is the sweet spirit, but but which maybe some people don't know about her. She is such a strength and a tower and, and Lord, she is locked in with you. And uh, when she needs to rise up, she rises up <laughs> in power. And Lord, I thank you for that strength that she has, that she's that as they come together, Lord, I thank you that you're going to anoint them for your purposes. It's not just about Zach going. It's, it's about Zach and Nicole as one moving into the things that you're calling them to move into. So I just say, Lord, would you anoint the both of them? Bless them, Lord, I thank you that as the Rock Church, we commit to pray for them. Uh, and we send them knowing, Lord, that this is the, the plan of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we, we want to be obedient to the Spirit, and we say yes to your plans. And we say yes to this opportunity that Nicole and Zach have to go and to plant and to, to be a part of something new. Lord, may your kingdom come, and may your will be done in their lives as they move forward. And even in those difficult times, Lord, I thank you that their, their strength is going to be in you and that they're united as one in everything that they do. So Lord, we just say, bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, I love you, man. I, I want one of those too. Yeah. Pastor Zach. Thank you.
3: All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I just want to start by saying it's been such an honor to get to be a part of this family in this church. And I just want to give this precursor. I am no good at goodbyes. And uh, I can even think of when I was in sixth grade, We were sixth grade graduation, just going to middle school. And in front of the the parents and the students and faculty, they they said, Zach, I wasn't the only one, but hey, Zach, would you get up and share something? Kind of a goodbye speech. I had written the whole thing out. I had it ready. Easy. Just reading it. And I get up there, sixth grade, I just start bawling. And I mean, like, not like just like a few tears. Like, I'm weeping. And so my teacher's looking at me, and she's like, are you ready? Like, it's your turn. And I'm like, give me just a minute. I'll be fine. Wasn't fine. One minute, two minutes. About a couple minutes into it, she's like, do you just want me to read it? And I was like, that'd be great. And I cried while she read it. And so I just want to say, I'm no good at goodbyes, but I do want to read this. I did script something uh, just so that the emotion wouldn't kind of overtake me but I want to read this Um, it's from Nicole and I's heart it says this, I'm no good at goodbyes so I thought scripting this would be my best bet (laughs) or not the Rock Church has been home for me the Rock Church has been home for me for the last eight plus years I came in as a long-haired, headed down the wrong road teenager, 19 years old, anxious, lost, curious. The Rock Church introduced me to Jesus. October 10, 2011, I gave my life to the Lord, and he changed my life. Jesus was the missing piece I'd been searching for. Jesus gave me a hope in a future. Then the Rock Church pushed me out of my comfort zone. June 25, 2012, I went on my first mission trip to Belize. Nervous, unsure, and uncertain. I was 19 years old. I got to experience what being a follower of Jesus really meant. People, as well as myself, were impacted by our going. Then the Rock Church challenged me to be all God made me to be. November 18th, 2012, I preached my first message. Timid, shaky, and scared to death, I was 20 years old. It started something inside of me. Then the Rock Church took a chance on me. September 1st, 2013, they offered me my first real-world adult job. Exuberant and hopeful, I was 21 years old. I remember it like it was yesterday. I raced home and told my parents, and it was as if I had won the lottery. Then the Rock Church saw the calling on my life. March 8th, 2015, I became a pastor. Called, chosen, commissioned. I was 23 years old. They noticed something on my life that I couldn't see. It shaped me and helped me believe bigger for God and myself. The Rock Church was where I met my best friend and the love of my life. September 8, 2018, we got married. Starry-eyed, thrilled, and committed. I was 26 years old. The worship intern and the youth pastor got married. Best decision of my life outside of accepting Jesus and now the Rock Church is our launching pad. May 17, 2020, Nicole and I are sent out to pursue the calling on our lives. Expectant, trusting, and sent. I'm 27, Nicole is 23. Church planting, worship leading, preaching, leading people to Jesus, those are the keystones we've decided we'll pursue in our next season and every season. So here we are. Nearly a third of my life, moments, memories, and milestones. Made right here in this place with these people. We wouldn't be who we are without this place. We'll forever be grateful for Pastor Mike and Christy. You too and your family have provided leadership and support that have helped us establish a healthy foundation for our marriage. We'll forever be grateful for Pastor JR and Yvonne. You two are not only leaders to us, but dear friends. JR, I don't know if I would have found Jesus if it hadn't been for you. We'll forever be grateful for the Rock Staff. Too many names through the years to mention each one, but each one is valuable to us and has left an impression on our hearts. We'll forever be grateful for the people of The Rock. You have made each moment a memory and will always be part of our story. We'll forever be grateful for The Rock Church. It's been the greatest honor of our lives to be part of this family. I started this by mentioning that I'm no good at goodbyes. Thankfully, this isn't a goodbye. It's just a new beginning. We love you. All right, here we go. Now to the message. Thank you guys for joining us. If you're watching, maybe it's rockchurch.org slash live. Maybe it's Facebook. We're so glad that you're here. Such an honor for you to join us. In all seriousness, we are. We're so excited that you're here. We know we can't all gather physically due to the nature of our, our world situation, but but we're so glad that you're here, that you're taking time to be with us and praying and believing that God speaks to you this morning. I'm super excited to share. I've got a message. If you've got your Bible, what I want you to do is open to Luke chapter 10. Uh, Luke chapter 10 is where we'll be spending the majority of our time together this morning. And while you're flipping there, I'm going to reference two other verses outside of Luke 10 that will help us as foundational truths as we dive into our content this morning. The first verse I'm going to read, the first foundational statement I want to read is in Matthew chapter 28, and it's verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came close to them, and he said, All the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. The second verse is in John chapter 14, verse 12. Again, Jesus talking, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. That verse where Jesus says you'll do even greater works makes me think of when I was in uh, middle school and high school, I would religiously watch SportsCenter. I mean like religiously. Didn't love movies, didn't love TV shows, but I loved SportsCenter. And one of my favorite uh, segments in the SportsCenter show was that at the end of the week for the last ten minutes of the episode, they would they would show this segment they called Top Ten Plays of the Week, and um, as I'm reading this verse, I love this. So, so what would happen as a kid is you'd watch play number ten, and it'd be awesome, like a great dunk. Then you watch play number nine, a little bit better. Then play number eight, another step up. Play number seven, six, five, four, three, and you're just kind of getting amped up as the plays go better and better and better and better. Now, as I read this verse in John chapter fourteen, what I hear Jesus saying. Out of humility, he's saying, hey, you're going to do the same things I'm doing, but you're going to do even greater things. Like, I may come in at two, you're coming in at one. I may come at six, you're coming in at five. Jesus is saying, because I'm going to the Father, you're going to do even greater things. The two foundational thoughts I want us to have this morning, as we dive into the subject, is this. Two thoughts. He's sending us out, and we'll do great things. These are just foundational truths. As followers of Jesus, maybe have been saved a day or a decade or 50 years. No matter what stage of your Christian walk you're in, the promises are true. These two things, he's sending you out and will do great things. Let's pray as we get into the message. Jesus, we're so grateful that we get to spend these moments together. God, we just wanna have grateful hearts, even this morning that although it may be digitally, God, we're still able to connect, gather, worship, and receive a word from you. Lord, I thank you that if this whole thing went down 30, 40 years ago, it would have been really, really difficult to to do this. But I'm so grateful by the power of technology and, and digital. We're able to come together together around the word. Lord, we pray that you would use these moments. You would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you have your coffee. Maybe you're on cup number two. Hey, I've got a question. How are you at following instructions? Like, I want to know, how good are you at following instructions? And let's take it a step further. Just go ahead and close your eyes. Come on, right there in your living room, on your couch, maybe on your back porch, on the patio, wherever you are. Close your eyes. Now, I want you to picture your middle school self. I'm talking middle school Zach, middle school Andrew, middle school Nicole, middle school JR. Think of your middle school self, okay? Teacher comes to you, gives you this assignment it's got so many instructions, you don't even know where to start. Were you the type of kid in middle school that would read each and every instruction before beginning, or were you the kind of middle schooler who was like, skim it, I'll start? I really think there are just, there are two types of people, okay? There is the skim and scurry, which means you just skim instructions and you go, and then there's the stay and study. You know, you've got two types of people. You either, you either read it and just go, or you, you really like study it, you stay, and then you begin. My wife and I are polar opposites in this. I am the type of person that I just skim the in- instructions, and I'll just go. Like, oh, I've got it. Recently, I was building this little, um, I don't know, it's like a, like a bar cart type of thing. I was building it, and I had skimmed the instructions, and, uh, and then I was like, oh, I've got it. So I just start putting it together and uh, I'm putting it together. All of a sudden, it's finished, or I thought, and, and I had completely messed up two instructions. just completely flipped them, and it it somewhat ruined the whole project. It should have been able to be reversible, but I stripped some screws in doing it, and, um, and now it's sort of irreversible. But I, I just, I kind of skip. Same thing goes in baking. In baking, that's the exact same thing. Nicole, my wife, excellent baker. Follows every instruction and ingredient to the T. Meanwhile... I'm just like, oh, it needs flour. Let's throw some in. Oh, it needs water. Throw more of that in. Oh, it needs eggs. Let's put two. You know, I, just, for instance, recently she was like, hey, babe, I know you're not the best baker, but I got a, uh, it's like a bag, like a box of cookies. Real easy. Like three instructions. Put it all together. It's already mixed. Like just add a couple things. You'll be good to go. I was like, yeah, I got it, babe. I'm Good. So I get in, I, and, and this is so, I just, I literally took the butter that I was supposed to melt if I had read the instructions and just threw it in the batter. And I start mixing it. And I was like, babe, I don't think this thing is working. Like, it's just not, what do I, what, like, what? she said, did you not melt, you, you didn't melt the butter? Like, come on. That's the most obvious thing in the world. And I, I look at baking and I blame baking. I say, baking's just temperamental. Like, it's just it's moody, like sometimes it works and they're great, and sometimes it's, it's awful. Like it's just, it's baking's fault. But Nicole would say that it's your fault, that you haven't read the ingredients, you haven't read the instructions. If you did what it told you to do, you would get what you were supposed to get. And as we journey into Luke chapter 10 this morning, I believe Jesus, this is going to be six points. It won't be long, but just six points, six key ingredients or instructions that Jesus gives us as he sends us out. Let's get started. Point number one. It begins and ends with Jesus. Where we find ourselves in Luke chapter 10, um, if you're new to this setting, maybe you're just scrolling through Facebook and you found this video, I just want to encourage you that we believe that Jesus was a real, living, breathing human being. He's not just some God that we just make fairy tales up in folklore, and they've been passed decade after decade, generation, after generation That's not what we believe. We believe the story that we're about to read about in Luke chapter 10, actually took place. That Dr. Luke was a real living doctor and he recorded his account of what happened in Jesus's life and that's what we're about to read. And in this story, Jesus has gathered 72 followers, 72 people that just said, hey, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. I'm gonna give my life to doing what you tell me to do. So he's got 72 of his boys, his people, boys and girls, just 72 followers there and he's getting ready to send them out on assignment. And what we've got here in Luke chapter 10, it's sort of like a coach giving a pep talk to his team. Just getting ready to send them out. Hey, these are some real important things that you ought to remember when you go out. The first thing I want us to write down, point number one, hope you have a journal and a pen. Uh, point number one, it begins and ends with Jesus. This is the first thing we got to know in this story is that G- it begins and ends with Jesus. Even just the story, it starts with all of these 72 people there with Jesus. Now, in the middle, they're going to go out and do the things he told them to do. But then it'll end, and they come right back to gathering with Jesus. In our lives, so important that we remember to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. He will always be the main thing. The, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 13, Jesus would say these words. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is saying, I'm the first and the last, the beginning, and the end. It's so important that we remember this. Hey, the main thing, it's not your Sunday morning attendance. That's not the main thing. God's not in heaven keeping a checklist of your attendance sheet. He's not. The main thing is not how many people you've gotten saved or how many people have gotten healed because of your prayers. Those aren't the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. And we have to keep the main thing the main thing, especially in this season where so much is going on in our culture, in our world, in in the news. It's so easy to drift or get swayed one way or the other. And in this time, it's so important we build our lives on Jesus. Mark chapter 8 verse 36 says, in what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? What do you benefit? What do you benefit if you go and get promotion after promotion, after success after success, money after money after? What do you gain? If, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? Jesus wants us to know that, hey, whatever we accrue or don't accrue, keep him first. Keep him the main thing. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, it would say, Seek first the kingdom of God, and everything else will be added unto you. Like, put Jesus first. Everything else will play out. It's like dominoes. When we put Jesus first, it's like knocking over one domino. That's just all I need is the first domino, and it's a chain reaction. When we put the main thing, keep Him there, everything else follows. Point number one: it begins and ends with Jesus. The second thing we see in this, point number two, is that the Father's business is booming. The Father's business is booming. I love how Jesus begins this conversation. Remember, 72 people. It's a pep talk. These are the first words or the first lines that come out of his mouth. It says this, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. I love it. He says the harvest is great, and I want to remind you and encourage you this morning that there is no better cause than the kingdom cause. There's no better economy than the kingdom economy. I want to remind you, even encourage you this morning, that God's economy doesn't ebb and flow. It doesn't have highs and lows, peaks and valleys. The Father's business is booming, and it always will. The harvest is always going to be plentiful. Good news will always be good in every season. It doesn't matter. And even more so right now in the midst of a pandemic Good news is even gooder. Sweet news is even sweeter right now in the midst of what we're going through. As Americans, I think we've become so good at becoming early investors into the next best thing. We're so I think we're so easy to just accept things and grab things and try things and invest in things and give ourselves the things. But I want to tell you that the next best thing is actually the same old thing. It's the father's business. It's the kingdom of heaven. It will always be ripe for harvest. Business is always booming in the Father's house. There's a great harvest. There are lost people in our world right now needing direction, needing an answer. And we have it. It's Jesus. So as he sends us out, as we go, remember, we're not entering it. Like, I I like to think about it in odds. I like math. I'm an analytical person. I want to encourage you this morning that we're not walking out. When Jesus sends us out Monday through Saturday, Monday through Sunday, but during the week, when Jesus sends us out, we're not going into unfavorable territory. No, the harvest is great. The harvest is plentiful. People are ready. They're ripe. You don't have to be concerned. that like, oh, maybe they won't, or maybe they'll. No, God is telling, Jesus is saying, hey, get your head up. The harvest is great. Like if we walk around thinking that there's nobody to get saved, nobody cares about Jesus and nobody needs good news, no one needs hope and no one needs to be encouraged and nobody needs healed, you're gonna have a really tough time. But coach Jesus, Lord Jesus is sending us out and saying, the harvest is great. People need what you have. Don't hold it back from them. The harvest is great. The harvest is great. Point number two is the father's business is booming. Point number three, What you need will always be provided for you. What you need will always be provided for you. As we're sent by King Jesus, we have to remember and realize that what we need, it will always be provided for us. I don't know what your packing essentials are, like your trip essentials. You know, like if you're going on a few-day trip somewhere uh, for our anniversary, Nicole and I, we went back to L.A., And um, we're going to L.A., and we're getting packing. Everybody's got trip essentials. I think for ladies, a lot of times, maybe it's like a hair dryer, maybe makeup. I don't know, whatever it is, clothes. Um, Everybody's got trip essentials. And for me, I just want to say, for me, my trip essentials are shoes. When I go on a trip, I need shoes. So if I'm going to L.A., I need one pair of shoes for the beach. I need one pair of shoes for dinner. I need one pair of shoes for church. I need one pair of shoes if we're just hanging out and chilling. I need one pair of shoes for the house, like house slippers, so that, like, my feet have a home. And I, but these are, what are, these are what I deem essential. Like, I only really need one or two outfits, but I need, like, five pairs of shoes, okay? I know you're probably judging from behind the screen. I can sense it. Um, but that's my trip essential. And I want you to read here, uh, in, in here, here, what Jesus is sending us out, when he's sending the disciples out, Listen to what he says. It's important. He says this in Luke chapter 10, just a few verses down. Luke 10 verse 4. Jesus says, don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. Ouch. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Now, it's interesting. If you're reading this in context, you may just skim over this. Like, okay, I won't bring money, a bag, or sandals. Like, what's the big deal? But if you stop and pause and you read this, this is key. This is essential. Jesus is trying to instill into them faith that he will provide everything they need. You don't have to worry about money as you go on your journey. I'm going to provide it. You don't have to worry about bringing a bag. I'm going to give you everything you need. You don't have to bring extra clothes or extra shoes. I'm going to be there with you. And don't stop to greet people on the road because you don't have time for that. You've got to go. You're sent on a mission, on an assignment. You've got a focus. You've got a purpose. Don't let these periphery things hold you back. Don't let this virus or this sickness or, and it's real. I'm not trying to downplay it, but don't let these things hold us back from pursuing Jesus, from being sent by God. Don't let these periphery things. So many times it's like, well, when I have enough money, then I'll serve Jesus. When I have the right job, then I'll serve Jesus. When I have enough time, then I'll serve Jesus. Wrong answer. God is saying in this verse, drop everything and follow me. Drop every, everything and go after me. That's what he's saying. Don't take money, you won't need it. What I have will be given to you. And I think it's in times like these, in these pandemics, or when we're sent by Jesus, I think it's in times like these where we find out where our stability comes from. Like, does our stability come from money? Does our stability come from finances or a job? Or where does our stability, or does it come from Jesus. Are we willing to say, I'll let go of my job? I'll let go of my money? I'll, I'll just follow you, Lord. And there's wisdom. I'm not saying don't be, I'm not saying go quit your job. I'm just saying, where does your stability come from? Jesus is the God of instability. He takes instability and He brings structure and He brings foundation. And it reminds me, it reminds me of David's battle against Goliath. David sent on an assignment from his father to go meet his brothers at the battle. And all he's sent with is a lunch. I mean, that's it. And and he goes out on an assignment. And as he progresses through this story of David and Goliath, eventually he he gets tapped on the shoulder to go fight Goliath. And so the king at the time, King Saul, says, well, hey, I've got armor. I'll give it to you. And so David tries it on, and he puts it on. And he has this moment where he's just like, I can fight this giant in somebody else's armor or I can get rid of it and just fight with what I've got. I can trust that God will provide me exactly what I need. In our lives, in our fights against the enemy or against whatever's going on, I want to encourage you that all you have is all you need. Like what you've already got is enough. Trust Jesus. Jesus is enough and he'll give you everything that you need. Point number four, the next thought is this. Spread the good news. Real simple, but just... As he sends us, spread the good news on Monday through Saturday when you're working, when you're with family, when you're with, spread the good news. I want to tell you that the good news of Jesus Christ, it never goes out of style. It looks good on anyone, any time, any day. Check this out. In Luke chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of heaven is near you now. The kingdom of heaven is near you now. I love this thought. I love that Jesus says, heal the sick and tell them this. This is the proclamation, the message I want you to proclaim, it's that the kingdom of heaven is near you now. One of the greatest moments in my life, I shared about some mission trips I went to in Belize. I've been on mission trips to India. Mission trips to me are just amazing. It's just an opportunity to go out and basically do this, to go out and spread the word, to heal the sick, to, to be who Jesus called us to be. But the unfortunate reality is that some people go on mission trips acting like they're vacation trips. They go on these trips overseas or to Belize or to India, and they treat them like they're vacation trips. But Here's the definition of mission. Mission is an important assignment to be carried out and completed. An important assignment to be carried out and completed. Jesus is saying, hey, you're not just going out on a vacation. Like, you're going out on mission. These couple months that we've had in quarantine or lockdown where it just looks different, this is not a vacation. This is a mission. And I think that it's a seed-sowing season, a season for you to begin sowing seed in the surface, in the soil of people's hearts, to spread the good news, to spread the gospel, to tell people Jesus is good. Like in the midst of a lot of badness and and, and hardness, God is good. Real simple message, and it's good news. That's the message of Jesus. It's good news. It seems like the question I keep hearing, like in the media and the news, is like it's all about nearness, like how near are we? To gathering again. How near are we to a vaccine? Or how near are we to a cure? How near are we to, you fill in the blank. And while we may not be able to absolutely answer those questions, we can absolutely and definitively say the kingdom of heaven is near I love Jesus' message here. He's saying the kingdom of heaven, it's not far. We're not waiting on it. It's near now. It's close to the brokenhearted. It's close to those that are hurting. It's close to the widows and the orphans. It's close to those that are lost, that have no purpose, that have no future or no hope. The kingdom of heaven is near. So as we go out, as we're sent by Jesus, we can bring good news and we can tell them, hey, kingdom is near. Like it's right here, right now. There's no better time to be alive. Point number five, rejoice even in the rejection. I love this thought that Jesus gives his disciples. Probably the hardest one to chew on is to rejoice even in the rejection. The new, Nicole and I will be pivoting and and we'll be helping with a church startup. It's a church plant. And so in this time, we're going to be getting jobs uh, in in the marketplace, marketplace jobs. And the job that I've gotten is a sales job. And the nature of a sales job is that more often than not, you're going to face rejection. So one of the interview questions was, how do you deal with rejection? And I, I, I had thought, oh, that, that's probably a question they would ask. So I had already kind of thought on it. But as they asked it, some feelings started to go, like, in my, in my gut. I was like, ooh, you know, that's a good question. And I just, I, had, I, I just answered honestly. I said, you know, rejection hurts the most to me when it's people close to me. Like, when it's near family friends, that's when rejection cuts deep. If it's rejection at a distance or somebody I'm not that close with, I can kind of, you know, brush that off and and move on. But when it's close, it hurts. I love what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10. He kind of just encourages us in the midst of rejection. He says this in verse 16. He says to the disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. And anyone who rejects me is rejecting God, who sent me. And I just want to tell you this morning that your attitude is important. Your outlook is important. Your outlook, it impacts the outcome. Like if you go into this thing expecting rejection. If you go, Jesus sends you out, tells you to do something or follow me or invite this person to church or to the Lord or whatever it is. If you go into it saying no for somebody else, don't say no for somebody else. Let them say no. Don't go into this thing expecting rejection. No, I want to I encourage you this morning to rejoice even in the rejection. This is what it says in John chapter 1, verse 11. It says, Jesus came to his own people, and even they rejected him. Jesus came to his own people, and even they rejected them. I want to encourage you this morning that we have a God who can relate with you who can sympathize with you. If you've been rejected because of your faith, don't let that keep you down. Don't let that hold you hostage. Break free from that thing this morning and find a way to rejoice even in the rejection. Jesus was rejected. Jesus was rejected. It even gets me thinking again back to David and Goliath. I was rereading that story and it's just so interesting that David, his father says, David, hey, will you bring lunch to your brothers? David's like, sure, dad, I'll do it. And so David's carrying lunch to his brothers. He's sent to his brothers. And if you read the story, when he gets to the battle, he sees people. And he starts hearing things. Hearing things about Goliath. Hearing things about what's going on. And one of the first, maybe not the first, but one of the first conversations David has at the battle is with his oldest brother, Eliab. Now, this is the oldest brother, and I know for a lot of younger brothers, they look up to their older brother. So for David, he's probably going to the battle thinking, the person most happy to see me, most excited to see me, is going to be my oldest brother, Eliab. That's not the case. When David sees Eliab, he gets rejected. Eliab begins questioning his motives, like, David, why are you here? Like, you're just here to kind of be paparazzi, and to kind of get in the mix, and to kind of see what's going on. Why don't you go back home to dad's house? David was faced with rejection even from his brother, even from the person he probably looked up to the most. Jesus was rejected even by his own people. You know, the truth is that those you most expect to receive you might, in fact, be the ones who reject you. The people that you think, oh, they'll receive the message or they'll receive the invitation— they may be the ones to reject you. And we have to have thick enough skin to say, that won't stop me from advancing the kingdom. That won't stop me from spreading the gospel because the enemy would love for you to stop spreading the word because of one or two rejections. But Jesus is saying, no, rejoice even in the rejection. Keep your head lifted. Don't let that rejection stop you or end you. Keep moving forward even through rejection. The last point I want to talk about tonight, this morning, point number six, is culture of celebration. I love this thought. I love what happens when the disciples come back. So what we have is the disciples are together. And I think this is the way church ought to function. It ought to look just like this. This is church. Jesus gathers his people, gives them instructions, sends them out during the week, just like we go Monday through Saturday, doing our job, doing whatever we're doing. And then they come back together. And I love this part of it because it's gatherings bookmarked on both ends. We've got gathering in the playbook, gathering in the instructions, and then doing the work, doing what he sent us to do, and then gathering again in celebrating. I love that even with Jesus and his disciples, they had created a culture of celebration. This is what the Bible says at the end, towards the end of our story in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. I love this, that they came back and they joyfully reported to him. So I think we even have some Americans who think that Jesus or God is just angry. He's just mad or upset, or, or if we come to him, we can't be joyful. I love that the disciples return to Jesus with joy. I think that sometimes we even read through that verse, and we just kind of underestimate, like, the excitement in the joy in the passion. These guys came back like little kids on Christmas Eve, or I guess on Christmas Day, when they got what they had been asking for. They're ecstatic. I mean, they are through the roof excited that Jesus sent us and everything he said happened. And now we get to come back together. That's how our gatherings ought to be, you know, every Sunday morning. We ought to come together and celebrate what God's done. We ought to come together and share the testimony, spread the word, spread the good news. Like, you wouldn't believe what God did in my life over the last week. You wouldn't believe how faithful he was or this healing I saw or this person that came to faith. You wouldn't believe it. Like, we ought to be celebrating with joy every single time that we gather. I've been watching The Last Dance. It's a Michael Jordan documentary. And um, I was young when Michael Jordan was playing. So a lot of these stories are fresh to me. Like I didn't get to see a lot of it or know a lot of it. And so it's cool for me to kind of get to see firsthand what happened behind the scenes. One of the things I love the most is that after years and years of trying and failing, that Michael Jordan, he didn't just win one, but he won six championships. One of the coolest moments to me is that after struggling and losing and struggling and losing and struggling and losing, when they first won that very first championship, the game ends and he is jumping in the air. They throw the ball. People are ripping off their uniforms. They're running to the back to the locker room and they are having an absolute party. I'm talking they're shaking bottles of champagne and spraying them everywhere and yelling and dancing and screaming and hollering. There's so much excitement in their hearts because of what just happened. I think for us as followers of Jesus, we ought to have that same culture of celebration when we gather. We ought to come together with so much joy and happiness and excitement in our hearts because God is faithful, because God did exactly what He said He would do, because God came through just like we knew He would, just like He said He would, just like He promised to. In Revelation chapter twenty or chapter twelve, verse eleven, we're just going to wrap up right here. Revelation twelve, verse eleven, it says, "And they have overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They've overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. By that culture of celebration, by that by that sharing of the story, that's how they overcome. What is God saying there?" God's saying, what you celebrate, I will replicate. Like, what you celebrate, I will multiply. God's saying, if you just share the story, all all it takes is sharing the testimony of God's faithfulness, the testimony of God's goodness, the testimony of how God came through to me. It just takes that testimony to free somebody else. That's it. God's saying, if you will celebrate it, I will replicate it. We know this is true. Think about if you've got young kids, or you've raised kids, or for Nicole and I, no kids yet, but we've got a dog. Even with a six-month-old golden retriever, it's amazing how what we celebrate gets replicated. I'm telling you, if we just give that dog a treat, he'll sit, he'll stay, he'll come, he'll go. All it takes is just a treat. And if we celebrate it, he'll do it again. And he'll do it again. And He'll do it again. I think that as a church, if we'll come together and we'll create a culture of celebration, we'll see God not just do one amazing thing, but we'll see Him do amazing thing after amazing thing after amazing thing after amazing thing. And we'll get to the end of our lives, and we'll be able to tell generation after generation about the faithfulness of our God. The story ends, and, and as we close in Luke chapter 10, our story It finishes like this. The disciples, obviously, they're filled with joy, and they're telling Jesus about what happened. But then in verse 21, kind of as the story comes to a close, it says at that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, oh, Father, Jesus is praying here to God. He's having conversation with Father God. He's filled with joy. He says, oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you for this to happen, or it pleased you to do it this way. What do we have here as this story in Luke 10 wraps up? They were sent with instruction. They went out and did exactly what He told them to do. They come back and gather, and they're celebrating. The disciples are joyful. It says that Jesus is filled with joy from the Holy Spirit, and then we've got God the Father, who it says is pleased by what they've done. And as we're living our lives for an audience of one, for the pleasure of Jesus, I wanna tell you that it fills the Lord's heart for you to do his will, for you to obey his commands, for you to listen to his voice and to follow him and to trust him. That pleases the heart of our heavenly father. You know, as we close the day, I wanna remind you one more time of our first point. The first point today was that it begins and ends with Jesus. And as we close, I want to give you an opportunity, if you have never done so, or maybe it's been a long time and you've drifted off course, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus. I know we're all gathering in separate places, in spaces, and rooms, but it's the same God, it's the same Spirit, it's the same Savior that wants to come and meet with you right now. So if that's you, I just want to close our eyes just for a moment, just pause. Let's allow Jesus to speak to our heart. If you feel God tugging on your heart, if you have this sense in your soul of a heavenly Father who's saying, Come back to me, I want to urge you to respond to that invitation this morning. The Bible says, Don't wait another day. Paul says, Today is the day of favor, today is the day of salvation. And I believe that today is the day you've been invited into a heavenly family. You don't have to live another day, another moment apart from God. You don't have to spend another moment wondering and toiling over the question, where do I go when this all ends? Like, where will I end up? No, by giving your heart, giving your life to Jesus, you'll have a heavenly home. So if that's you, I want you to repeat after me. Just say, Jesus I give you my heart. I give you my soul. And today, Lord, I choose to follow you. I surrender my plans. I surrender my future. And I cling to your promises. Now I say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to follow you, Lord. I don't know what that looks like. I don't even fully know what that means. But I choose from this day forward to follow you. I give my heart, my soul to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you made that decision today, we want to celebrate with you. We're so, so excited. If you're bold enough, even in the chat right now, maybe if you're on Facebook, just say saved or gave my life to the Lord or whatever it was, we'd be so excited to celebrate with you. We'd also appreciate it if you would email, if you made that decision, email family at rock.org. That would just give us an opportunity to get to follow up, to get you connected with our family and help you take your next steps in being a follower of Jesus. Just again, it's family at therock.org. We love you guys so, so much. I'm going to invite Pastor Mike to come back up as he closes the service. Thank you so much for being a part of Nicole and I's story.
0: Well, what a way to go and be sent like the 72. <laughs> I, the Lord, it's so funny, the Lord had this on his heart, and we he called me on, it was uh, Wednesday, and uh, I was like, I think this is on my heart. I'm like, Zach, this is amazing. Like it's, it, it's, it ties into his story and where he's going and where we are with the church. And so I just pray that, that this just goes deep. There's a, the last part even of of that, that story there. Um, it just says, uh, it, it, where is it here? I don't know your Bible as well as I know mine. <laughs> Blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. So he turns to his disciples in this. And I just feel like, like blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. It says that the prophets and the kings, they longed to see this. And they didn't see it. And they longed to hear this, but they didn't get to hear it. We are in a time where we get to see this and we get to hear it. So I pray that this is that, that our, the eyes of our heart are open, that we begin to see what the Lord is doing, that we see the miracles, the signs of the miracles, the power, the demonstration of his work. But the thing that we are so glad about and so grateful for is that, that we're written in the, the Lamb's book of life. And so for those of you who just accepted Jesus, man, I just want to say we are so excited. That's the thing that excites us more than anything because healings and miraculous signs and wonders, they're amazing. And it's, it's amazing to see the power of the Holy spirit. But if it doesn't actually change our life, if there isn't a transformation, if it ends there, then we've missed it. And so it's that final step of saying, man, I want to be in the lamb's book of life. I want to have this opportunity to live this life for eternity, live in that abundant life. Uh, I just want to say, as we as we're now closing, uh, I, I believe Pastor Ray they're putting up a, a link, and uh, if you want to get, receive prayer, uh, we would love to pray with you. There'll be a Zoom link. I think it'll be on Facebook and on the online church online, so you can go and just click on that, and you'll go into a Zoom room, and and then they'll uh, they'll pray with you privately, and um, and then also uh, we we're just scrambling here. I just put together. Uh, another link, if we can put it up here uh, for Zach and Nicole. And if if you have this, uh, you can just take a picture of it with your phone. Uh, and then um, the best thing, you can just go to Zoom. And uh, so we were we wanted to celebrate with them and after the service to go out and just, you know, connect with them and, and uh, get to love on them. And, and obviously we can't do that all right now. But so what we can do is we can do it by Zoom. And I believe Zoom is up and running now. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, <laughs> please, Lord. Uh, but click on that the the median ID. It's that eight two one five four six one three five five eight. So in just a few minutes here, uh, Zach and Nicole can get on there and just just you guys can love on them. Uh, tell them how amazing they are. Pray for them. Do all those awesome things. So uh, yeah, we just love this guy. We love Nicole, and uh, so blessed and so honored to just have have get to run together and now to send them uh, to do just amazing things and so let's just let's just close and pray here father we thank you Thank you for this amazing time, Lord. We thank you that you are stirring our hearts, Lord. You're bringing us into a new season, into new things. We're crossing the Jordan. And, Lord, I thank you that even over these next few days as we as we pray and as we fast and as we seek you with all our heart, it says, those when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So, Lord, I thank you that we're going to find you in new ways. We're going to understand you in new ways. Lord, I thank you uh, for this time that we have right now to together, just even by, by watching together and that we're one in spirit. We're here and we're going after the things that you're calling us into. Lord, I thank you again for Zach and Nicole. I just pray your blessing over them, Lord, as they go. Pray your blessing over every person here who's watching right now online and we just say, Lord, would you bless them? Would you keep them? Would you just let your face shine upon them? Lord, may this be a time where they rise Where they shine, may the glory of the Lord rise upon them. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have an amazing day, and we'll see you soon.